1110-993 WBT. Pete Callender here. Uh, just watching the jury in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial has some questions for the court. So they're asking that in the courtroom right now. They are still deliberating as far as I can tell. So uh, don't worry, though. Leftists uh, are standing at the ready with their mostly peaceful bats and Molotov cocktails just in case there's an acquittal. All right. So. Uh, let me shift gears, though. There is a connection here, um, and it's the media, which is a piece at the National Review, nationalreview.com by David Hersani. He is a senior writer. He is also the author of a new book, which, uh, by the way, Christmas is here. The book is called Eurotrash, Why America Must Reject the Failed Ideas of a Dying Continent. And, David, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Certainly. So your piece at National Review headlined, uh, there will be no media reckoning over the Steele dossier. And this, uh, you're, you're responding to Axios, everyone's favorite website, um, that there is some sort of reckoning going on in the media over their coverage of the Steele dossier. Um, you're not holding your breath. Safe to say? No, I, I'm not holding my breath because... Um, well, first of all, I, I would say that it's almost irrelevant anyway, even if there was a reckoning, because the damage has been done, and they, they knew that when it was happening. So, you know, after the fact, it's not going to mean much. But more than that, of course, not a single person who who participated in this thing has, has faced the music. Um, the Washington Post retracted, or didn't even retract, corrected, I guess, some of their reporting. But, you know... It, it, a real reckoning would mean investigating how you got these things wrong, why the sources lied to you, which sources lied to you, um, and then explaining what happened. But the reporters who did this stuff have never, won't even answer any queries. So, I mean, they're supposed to be, they're journalists. That's what they do. They ask questions and they should be open to answering them, but they haven't. You write, it's one of the most egregious journalistic efforts, uh, errors, rather, in modern history. Well, uh, sorry, Sarah Fisher wrote that at Axios, that it's one of the most egregious journalistic errors, and the media's response has so far been tepid. So the first question I have is, uh, is it actually an error? Do you think these were errors? As you read that, I was thinking to myself, I should have noted that it's not, I don't know that they were errors. I mean, Listen, I believe, I don't have evidence in my hands, but I believe that there were journalists who participated in this, knowing fully, knowing fully, fully that it was a partisan um, document, that it was likely to be untrue, and they wanted to bring down the president. There's nothing wrong with wanting to bring down a president. That's a good, good, good inclination for a journalist to want to do, but they need to have actual evidence to support whatever they're accusing the president of, which they didn't have. So I don't think it was an error, no. And and I should say that because they haven't explained what happened, because they refused to explain what happened, it tells me that it wasn't an error, that it was something they participated in or where they would share the information. One of the things you mentioned also is outing the fraudulent sources should be part of uh, of whatever the reckoning looks like. And I've been saying this from the beginning. Like, I don't understand. You're a former journalist uh, as well. You're a columnist now, opinion guy, but you used to be a reporter. I used to be a reporter. And if a source gave me bad info to this extent, uh, I guess to your point, proving it's not an error, but I would be so mad at the source, I would burn them. I mean, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't out these people as peddling lies and using you to launder them. Right. You can't even really refer to them as a source anymore because it's not as if, 
some source gave you some kind of information that could have been read in certain ways or they themselves didn't understand it. It's clear that these were the same sources and it's clear that they repeatedly told you things that were untrue. Um, you know, I don't want to get into all the specific stories, but let's just say there were stories that had supposedly two, two independent sources telling them the exact wrong date, which is impossible. These are people who are lying to you. Now, as a reporter, every reporter can't wait to be arrested for, like, not writing out a source, right? Like, they pretend <laughs> that that's a hardship, but they actually want to be martyred. Yes. So, yeah, so you don't give up sources because that ruins your reputation. No one will ever speak to you again. On the lowest, you know, on the most local level, that's true. But these are not sources anymore. These are people who misled you, supposedly. Right, and then wouldn't the story be, how did these two people come to coordinate their message in order to plant it in your news publication? Seems to me like that would be a newsworthy story. Yeah, Yeah. and there's two things here. There's one is the media and why no one trusts them. Um, And that's a problem because it creates this void where where other sources come in who are are also not reliable and people start believing them. And that's a problem. And the other part of this is there was a the FBI spied on the opposition campaign and they and the media helped them get away with it. It was essentially worse than anything. You know, it was worse. I, I hate saying worse than Watergate, but it was. I mean, this is like the government participated in undermining the elected. I mean, I'm sorry, bureaucracies participated in undermining the elected government of the United States. You have to like Donald Trump to see that that's true. And having that, it's almost like having a shadow government. It's really a dangerous thing. And no one, no, you know, the media didn't care. And they don't care still. Yeah, and I've never liked the term deep state because it sounds too, I don't know, fictional. Conspiratorial. Yeah, I know what it sounds like when I say it, and I hate saying it. But, like, honestly, how do you say it's something other than that when you're presented with this evidence? Um, you say the most charitable explanation is reporters had become such saps for the Democrats uh, that they would just believe anything that uh, they said. The uh, the more plausible explanation, considering the lack of any genuine accountability and self-reflection, is that they were in on it. Now, is there a third option here, which is that they're just like morons? Is that like a possibility? <laughs> they're just they're like our never. elite media is just idiots. Yeah, you should never, never uh, set that uh, possibility aside. I think that that's always the case. I think with some of them it is the case, but some of them it's not. Um, they, you know, listen, I'm in D.C., right? I mean, I think journalists live in a bubble, and they, felt they reinforce these things among themselves, and then the hysteria over Russia. It was, it's just to look back now, it's, you wonder how it even could happen. But uh, I think that they, they're in such a bubble that they just, they're on Twitter, they're reinforcing each other's craziness, and they just move forward. Um, and there's an aspect, another aspect of this is the sort of sanctimonious uh, framing and positioning of themselves as defenders of democracy while they're helping the, the you know, secretive uh, intelligence agencies spy on the opposition campaigns, undermining elected officials. It seems like a very weird uh, position, you know, claim to make or, or you know, self-hero worship, I guess. I don't really even know how to explain it. And so your final question you ask in the piece, channeling Hillary Clinton what here. What difference at this point does it make? Right. What difference at this point does it make? Yeah, well, it makes a difference on a number of levels. But one I think I mentioned was that we have to correct the historical record. Democrats, or I would say like progressives at least, or I hate to call them liberals anymore, yeah. you know, they're very good at uh, reframing history or, you know, winning, retroactively winning an argument or changing an argument. And uh, 
you know, to allow them to move, for us just to move forward. These, these stories still exist. They're still out there. They're the historical record, most of them, and they're just untrue. They're based on a complete lie. Um, and not everything, all these lies came from the Steele dossier themselves, but they're spawned from that paranoia and hysteria. There was this uh, historian the other day, I forget what his name, Ricks, I think, and he said something like, you know, if you believe that there were no, there was, American cities were burning last summer, then you must be a Russian dupe or something like people still use this Russia thing uh, to dismiss legitimate debate. And it's it infected everything uh, in our in our in our rhetoric. So it needs to be correct. The historical record needs to be corrected so that that doesn't go on. Yeah. David Harsani, senior writer at National Review, nationalreview.com. Also pick up his book. Give it to all of your friends and family this Christmas season. Eurotrash is the name of it. Why America must reject the failed ideas of a dying continent. David, thanks so much for your time, sir. We appreciate it. Good to catch up with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.